Who is wise? The one who learns from others. Join me on a journey where I speak to Jewish women from all different backgrounds, each sharing their own stories, struggles, and successes. Be a part of a community where you connect to something greater than yourself. I'm your host, Karen Corin, and welcome to Soul Sessions with KK. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Episode 8 of Soul Sessions. I'm your host, KK, and I'm excited to present my next guest, Talia Mallet, or at Like a Boss Malik on Instagram. So I've discovered her Instagram account two years ago, and what drew me to her was her sheer authenticity and her confidence. What you see is what you get. And that's very rare to find on Instagram. But not only that, but because we come from such different cultural backgrounds, I learned so much from her and I know you will too. And the thing with Talia is that she will teach you how to live like a boss, specifically a boss melech. And that confidence is a key ingredient, and you'll see what I mean when you listen to this podcast. But first, I would like to talk about our sponsor. Amy Sweets was created as a tribute to Safta Miriam. Safta Miriam always loved to make beautiful halot and pastries, and not only were they delicious, but they were done in the most elegant manner. Mimi Sweets epitomizes elegant desserts that you actually want to eat. What started off as a challah business has now turned into so much more. Mimi Sweets offers delicious and kosher baked goods from challah to tarts, pastries, cookies, and cakes. Mimi Sweets caters to gluten-free, nut-free, and the dairy-free crowd as well. Book Mimi Sweets for your next Shabbat, holiday, or any simcha. Without further ado, I would like to introduce Talia Mollet. Talia, welcome to School Session. Hi, Karen. How are you? I'm great, Baruch Hashem. It's a pleasure to have you on our show. And I really am excited to have you on our show because I've been following you for the last, like, two, two years or so. I stumbled upon you because I saw you on, like, someone else's post where you were just so authentic and real, and that really attracted me to your page. And Thank I'm you. really excited. Yeah. Uh, Talia, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm Talia. I'm 35. I live in Seattle, Washington with my husband and my five children, Baruch Hashem. Um, I created this Instagram page called Like a Boss Melech, which is a play on words of doing something like a boss which means, like, doing something well, and uh, Bas Melech. Really, it was inspired by the fact that um, the narrative for a Jewish woman across the board, no matter your background, very much, um, I felt very narrow. I felt that women very often, especially our teens and young women, um, are taught, whether actively by schools or observed, that their value is, in their academics, in getting married and having children. Um, mm-hmm. And our role is so much more than that. Um, and Hashem created us with so many different abilities and talents and personalities and with a responsibility really to nurture those talents mm-hmm. and abilities. Um, and I wanted like kind of like only Simchas where people could share their things that they're proud of. So mm-hmm. in the past I've shared women who love scuba diving or became a veterinarian or um, speaking from the most major, like crazy, I can't believe a woman does that uh, versus like that's such an everyday thing. But take pride. Whatever you're, you're good at being a mom, a teacher. Um, and then after a while, because it came, became a little more of a struggle trying to find people sharing, because women are used, not used to sharing their strengths, um, I started sharing a little bit more about myself, my own personal journey, and kind of balance both those aspects of other women's um, achievements and then my mm-hmm. own personal journey to trying to live my life like a boss melech, um, using my own strengths and my abilities and trying to find out, like, how best to live my, my most authentic, yeah. most best life. Um, wow. so that's really what my page is about. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I noticed about your page is that 
when I stumble upon your page, I see that hashtag women supporting women. You are like the ideal woman. You are like the cheerleader for all Jewish women. Like there's not a week that goes by that I don't see you post or story about someone else's strengths or, you know, something that they accomplished in the Jewish world or even in the secular world. And I really respect that about you and your page. And, right. Um, for me, that's the struggle with Instagram. I find Instagram to be very much, um, you know, most pages are either promoting themselves or a business. Um, right, or products. Or products. Um, and we really rise by lifting others. And, you know, in general, in, in this day and age, the world is so loud and it's so hard, you know, to, to feel like your voice is heard. And, like, that's it's, it's a long journey, but, like, my dream is that, like, my page would be big enough that, like, a, a startup person or someone who is just proud of something that they're doing that I could share it and really help them feel seen and heard. Like, that is, like, my ultimate dream uh, mm-hmm. for my page. But it's it, because I also struggle with certain insecurities and it doesn't come so natural, natural to me to be on Instagram – Mm-hmm. Um, it's taking a lot longer than I thought, but I'm okay with it. And that's also part of the journey. Like I want the people who were there from the beginning to say, like, I remember, I remember her talking about how hard it was for her to story herself. I remember like, you know, the, the beginning, the rough pages when I'll take breaks from Instagram for a month if I need to, because I'm doing it. I wanted to do it from a healthy place. I want to do it from yeah. a place of, like we said, like authenticity and not because I have to, not because of a pressure and not because right. I conform and be like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But like that really, like you say that, like, and I like feel so good because that really is my goal is that I really want other people to feel seen. It's, right. It's, it's so that. hard. It's so hard today. And, and we really get so bogged down with our own negative voices and the world's just so busy um, and every person should really feel seen and be able to shine in their own way. And that is the ultimate goal that I have for my page. Wow, that is absolutely beautiful. You know, you just mentioned that it doesn't come naturally to you. But, you know, I look at you and I look at your stories and you seem like you've been doing this for like 10 years. So <laughs> it's, it's so just, funny. It's so it's funny. I, how we see ourselves is so different from how others see us. And so that's like my number one life lesson. So. Um, happens to be that, like, I don't know if I'll ever make it to Great Neck, but, like, I'm a really good public speaker. That's really my strength because as long as I don't have to see myself, like, I just don't like looking at myself in the camera. I, I don't mm-hmm. feel like I'm, I, it's weird to talk to yourself. <laughs> right. And be right, authentic, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's not authentic to, like, say, oh, look, I'm having a coffee. Oh, let me share a thought with you. It, it just it doesn't have that naturalness. Yeah. Um, I love speaking. I love public speaking. Um, that's really more my passion, but I use Instagram as my medium. But so a little background information. Mm-hmm. I was bullied a lot as a child, like a oh. lot, a lot. I was bullied probably just for being different because I had redheads are notoriously teased. Um, hey, my husband's a, a redhead. <laughs> and I'm sure he was teased. Uh, I redhead guess, boys, yeah. they also, they get this, kids could be really mean, you know. Yeah. Um, and I was on the, like, chubbier side, but it's funny, Mm -hmm. like, now I look back at pictures, and I'm like, girl, you look good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, uh, at that point, I was, I was bullied pretty much from my, like, earliest memories from three, four, five years old, all the way until, um, like, seventh grade, and I really was meant to, like, made to feel invisible, um, by my classmates. How? Like, How did you feel where, No, no, like, it wasn't, like, like, literally. Like, I would have friends, like, my school friends who would pull me over in recess in school and tell me that they could only be my friends outside of school and not inside school. Horrific. My first memory of being bullied was in pre-1A, which for people who live out of town, that's kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That any time I would try to speak, the kids in the class would say to each other, do you hear anything? No, it's just the wind. Um, oh, horrible. Wow. And then in kindergarten, um, that's crazy. In, in, in pre-1A, when I was like five years old, and then um, when I got older, I went to a co-ed elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, like when girls and boys are supposed to have the cooties, I was the only one in the class who had the cooties. So the girls would like 
push me to touch the boys in the class, and then they would do the circle, circle, dot, dot. Now I have the cootie shot. Um, oh, but I was God. the only person in the class who had the cooties. Like, no one else did except for me. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and then, like, Baruch Hashem. How did that affect you? It, it, I mean, it was hard. It was hard for a long time. I was very resentful for, to my parents for a long time for not pulling me out of that situation. But now, as an adult, I am extremely grateful for the experience because everything I am today is because I went through that. There's no doubt in my mind. Because I know so much what it feels like to feel invisible, I see, I really, really try to see everyone. Like, I I, I am so mindful that all my interactions every day, whether you're a child or a senior citizen or a cashier or, I mean, I'm probably the worst with my own children because that's the way it is. But, like, I really make an effort to make eye contact, to smile, to ask people how their days are because I, I so acutely know what it feels like to to not want to exist. I mean, I, 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 I really did not like myself then. And I was blessed enough that Hashem sent very special people in my life who – saw the beauty in me before I even did, um, wow. and really, like, one or two friends who were would just be there for me and tell me how pretty I was and how funny I was and how talented I was when I totally didn't even see any of those things in myself, um, and... I ended up, my parents ended up putting me in therapy at a certain point, and the therapist recommended that I go to sleepaway camp, and that was really, like, when things started changing for me, because in sleepaway camp, I had, like, this fresh start. I had this ability to make a new set of friends. Mm-hmm. I came back more confident. But well, how really, old were you at um, sleepaway camp? I went to sleepaway camp for the first time in middle school, 93, probably. so I was probably 10 years old. Mm-hmm. So, like, going into, like probably fifth or sixth grade. Um, and it really, it really was a very good thing for me. And I, and I'm so close to a lot of my camp friends and, and I was able to bring that confidence back to school. And then starting like seventh and eighth grade, um, I was, I became more popular, um, in, in my way. Um, how was that? I learned how, how did you become? <laughs> yeah. I learned how to be a gossip. Actually. I was known mm. as, um, someone who always knew everything about everyone and always interesting uh yeah I had friends in high school who would like pull me over that were my friends in element well my quote-unquote friends in elementary school and be like oh I get it like this is your revenge for what we put you through in elementary school like I I was not a nice person so much um Mm. but like I finally found found like my power like I was able to kind of most likely be a little bit of a manipulator. Interesting. Um, this is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. You felt like I, you were privy to information and you had... And I use that. And I use that to kind of get around. And I, I'm a watcher and I'm an observer. So I would, like, notice things. I mean, I think I've mm-hmm. pretty much blocked, like, any actual memories. But I know that when I was in seminary, which I have a tremendous amount of Hakarat Hato for, um, that's really when my life, I mean, which my life really, I went to Sharfman's for two years, mm-hmm. and it was a gift. Like, everything in my life has been just such a gift, but I really, NCSY helped me a lot. That was, like, the first step, and then mm-hmm. my my Rebaim and NCSY recommended that I go to Sharfman's, just so you understand I don't know your audience, but I went to Yeshiva Flatbush for high school. In Brooklyn. Um, it's mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. It's not so common for Yeshiva Flatbush girl to go to Sharpton, um, but because of NCSY, like, I was recommended to go there, and it was really such a good fit for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I had a girl in my class in Sharpton, like, at the end of the year, write me a little note. I think I still have it somewhere where she was like, I heard about you before I came to Sharpton, and my friends warned me to, like, basically watch my back. She's oh like, my. I don't know what they're talking about because, like, the person that they described is completely different from the person that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so wow. that that's, like, a little funny. But, but yeah, I, I feel that, that, like, that formidable age when I was a child that I was bullied, 
um, really gave me the sensitivity and understanding of trying to help people be seen. Um, and that my, and how this all started is that my confidence, 90% of just getting by in life is faking confidence. Yeah. Because we're so. all insecure. Mm-hmm. We all are down on ourselves. Um, and standing up tall, putting a smile, being a little bit outgoing, from a lot of people, it really is mostly an act. And, and I just right. know how to do it. Like, I've learned it. It's a skill. Um, do you think but, it helps with the issue of uh, low self-esteem? Do you think that it replaces it? I'm not a professional, so I, I can't say that. I just know that I mean, every from your person, experience. Right. I'm saying for me, it, it doesn't replace the, the low self-esteem, um, but it just helps you manage life's interactions a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's just, it's like with public speaking. The number one key to be a public speaker is just being confident. People want to be entertained. The right. more you worry about it, the more you take away, like, it's just, it's um, a little bit of a mind game. So tell yourself you're confident, act like you're confident, and people will see that you're confident. It's just, right. It will, you, but you can't assume that just because a person seems confident that they're not struggling with insecurities and self-esteem but, like, that's where our minds go with it most of the point. But the reality mm-hmm. is that just confident people are good at just acting confident. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are confident, that, right. that they're confident or they're happy or that they're not struggling. Um, of course. Of course. And so, like, that's with me and Instagram, and that's why I'm very clear about the fact that, like, it is hard for me because, I, like, if a person mm-hmm. feels like they should, like, they want to share on Instagram, start somewhere. Right. Try. Like, you can only improve, and this is what I try to constantly tell myself, start somewhere. Because once you have that starting point, usually the only place you could go is up. But if you never try and you never put yourself out there, then you're always going to be stuck in the same exact place where you are. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, I don't want people to say, like, oh, it's so natural for her. It's, It's not at all natural for me. And lately it's been really hard for me to Instagram story. I've been off for a few weeks. Through the holidays, right. I just couldn't um, with everything that was going on. And getting back in now, it's it's it's, it's hard, hard to find my voice again. But right. I just right. I want people who follow my page who know that like, oh look, an Instagrammer who like takes a break and who struggles, but like she can get back into it and she's gonna try to keep on doing good because that's really ultimately my goal is that that I want to just put more good in the world. Right. Wow. Beautiful. You know, Talia, you mentioned that in high school, you after you went to sleepaway camp, you started to, you know, find your voice or your popularity through, you know, gossiping and you were the girl that like everyone turned to for the latest gossip and the news. Do you feel like that gave you confidence when you did that? Even yeah. though it wasn't necessarily like the right thing to do? Do you feel like it gave you this counterfeit confidence? Um, Definitely. But, like, that's really all you know as a high school kid because you are just trying to find your place. And mm-hmm. so I found my place, and it felt good to know that. But um, when I was in camp uh, after um, I started NCSY, I really started becoming a lot more growth-oriented, and I Mm -hmm. remember when I came back to camp after, like, really growing a lot that year, um, where, like, people were like, well, where's the gossip queen, and I I moved past it, and I think that with maturity, very often, we can realize that, like, this isn't the best way to navigate life. Right, Um, right. Mm -hmm. But at the time, it worked, and it really helped me find myself and and even that part of myself I'm very grateful for because I do know how to interact with like people who are a little more on the social climbing side like I have Mm -hmm. that like Mm -hmm. I I, I treasure like I feel like inside of me I have like these different like books or little whatever that like I can pull out to help me understand and interact with With different people different types of people because mm-hmm. I had all those different types of that myself in me as well. So wow. um, it just, it's kind of, it gives me the like 
instruction manual of like, oh, okay, like I get this person and this person like really enjoys and I, and I try to figure out like where can we find that like meeting point where I can connect with that person and right build and you a know, relationship. Yeah. So, you know, you're showing people that to connect with others, you don't necessarily have to go on a major, major deep level and connect where it's coming from your place that everybody comes from a different background, environment, um, how they grew up, and the way you connect to them is to go into their shoes, see what they like, what are they into. And, you know, I was having this this discussion with a friend of mine, and she was telling me that it's very hard for me to connect with people on a deep level when everyone is just talking about stupid nonsense and, like, silly things, and I don't even connect to that. And I told her, I was like, you know what? You have to you have to learn how to talk with people on their level, and then eventually you can get on a deeper level with them. It doesn't necessarily always have to be so, like, esoteric and deep and, you know. And you just reminded me that, like, well, being well-rounded is a very important skill and value. Right. Well, especially, like, in this day and age and the the environment we live in, you know, I was thinking literally, like, two days ago, you know, everyone's talking about, like, global warming and, like, the world that we're going to leave for our children, and it's going to be filled with so much toxicity. And as adults, when you look around, I'm like, the toxicity is right now that we're creating. The Mm -hmm. adults in the world are so toxic to each other. No matter what, Jewish, non-Jewish, go on Twitter, go on Instagram, hear the way people speak. Like, this is the environment we're creating for our children. This is the world that we're building from them right now. Like, forget about 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. The adults this in our day and age are so – we just don't know how to connect with people. We don't know how to give people enough space to be themselves and to just be polite and be kind and be warm. And Why do you think that is, Talia? Why do I think that is? Because I don't think that we know ourselves well enough and are not accepting of ourselves enough. We, most people exist on the backs of others. Um, I see my worth, I see my value because I have a better house or husband or children than the person next to me um, versus saying like we all have what we have and we're all doing the best that we can um, and they have a beautiful family and I have a beautiful family and they have a beautiful home and I have a beautiful home um, and I, I don't think we accept ourselves enough uh, and we don't understand ourselves enough that we mm-hmm. just we we need to find our value in relation to the people around us, and it's very toxic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you about that. Mm-hmm. How does one, if they grew up constantly comparing themselves to other people and defining who they are based on, oh, I have a better this and I have a better husband and I have a better house, how does one go from that point to a more accepting, wholesome place? Um, I, I think the number one key is making your spiritual self more of a priority in your life, um, which takes effort and what we're really here for. And we get so caught up in the noise of the day-to-day living that we forget to nurture our own real true selves. Mm-hmm. Um and if we start seeing ourselves more as souls, um, and souls, especially as Jews, where we're connected to all the souls around us, um, you see the the beauty and the divine goodness in other people around you. Um, but that it takes work, it takes effort, um, and individually we, and collectively, right? Um, and you know, as much as we put, you know, physicality. Are, you know, being healthy, having money, working out as a priority, we don't spend nearly any time focusing right. on our own spiritual health, on 
looking in the mirror and saying like, how can I be better? What can I be doing? What are my talents? What are my abilities? How, what's my purpose? I have mm-hmm. 120 years here. Like, gosh, what do you want from me? Like what, how, what am I supposed to do to, to make the world a better place? It's, it's just mm-hmm. it's not the way that we think where it's not the way we're brought up. Um, right. You know, right. our schools are all about academics. They're all about knowing information, but in terms of... You're talking of, about oh, the, the Jewish schools, the yeshiva Jewish, Jewish schools? schools? yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's more my area, you know, like, as a Jewish as a Jewish woman, like, you know, it starts it starts with me. Um, mm-hmm. And we just, we have made everything extremely, you know, dry and boxy and Or exterior-focused, probably. Right. You know, like, can you learn a Flemish? Can you, do you know halacha? But that's only part of what... Hashem wants from us. Hashem wants us to, you know, derech eretz We have to mm-hmm. make ourselves. How do you how do you prepare land? You nurture it. You water it. You you sow it. It takes a lot of effort. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, you look at an orchard filled with beautiful fruits. It took months and hours of work to get that land to be fertile and to be growth filled with growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same is true for ourselves. The effort has to be put there, and we just we go to a class and we leave. You know, we light right. our candles, we have our suda. It's done out of such routine, and we're lucky. Like Hashem created the world with every part of the day, every part of the week, every part of the month to be able to refocus us, to kind of bring us back to that point of like, remember what you're here for. Remember what you're here for. Remember what you're here for. Remember. Wow. Um, and we. Unfortunately, it's so hard for us to find it. I mean, I've been listening recently to um, Esther Ween's classes a little bit here and there. She's the granddaughter of Rav Shem Schwab. Uh, She's she from the to, Five Towns? Yes. Yeah. She gives a lot of classes. I highly recommend if people are able to hear it. She has a WhatsApp group. Um, oh, interesting. She talks where she posts her class, and they're on her at any time. Um, mm-hmm. She talks about the fact that, like, this generation is is – one of the toughest generations to really see Hashem because up until now we were like children. Hashem was holding our hands. It was very clear that things were divinely orchestrated. We are so privileged right now. We have so much that it's basically taken Hashem out of the picture, right? Mm. When you were a farmer, you prayed your kishkas Mm -hmm. out that Hashem would send rain and that you would have a crop so that your children wouldn't starve. Here, we go to the supermarket. We have cars. We have houses. We have so much that Mm -hmm. we feel like we have it. But the reality is this is all a gift from Hashem. And Mm -hmm. it's it's just getting harder and harder for us to realize that divineness in our life. Um, Wow. Wow. So... That's really so, like my passion um, is that for me, I, I I would love one day to create some sort of program for moms on how to mother ourselves and mother our children. We focus so much on parenting, but so much of parenting classes is trying to get our kids to like act a certain way, be a certain way. Um, but in reality, Chinook has always come from mothers in their homes and you know, their connection to Hashem, their connection to mitzvot in a much more intimate way and spiritual way um, that I feel like we have lost in the past. By the way, mm-hmm. I think Spartan have it much more than Ashkenazim do. What? Uh, the passion or the the, what? the mother, the connection, that spirituality. Um, I have had my whole life – so much respect for the Sephardic community. I always said that if I didn't marry my husband, I would definitely want to marry Sephardi. Um, <laughs> I think that that the Sephardic community in general um, is a much more authentic way of the way that Judaism should be um, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, Judaism is all about Masora. It's all about connecting to the previous generations right, to, to learn and to understand what it means <clears throat> to be a Jew. It's not just about the books not just about the learning, you know, right. the fact that the Sephardic community, like, you kiss your father's hands, the reverence right. you have towards your grandparents, towards the Chachamim, like, regardless, it doesn't make a difference where you're holding in terms of your Shabbos or Kashras. Like, 
Right, Your, right. The Jewish home, the Jewish tradition is, is sacred. It's beautiful. It's vibrant. It's alive. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so I am very much speaking as an Ashkenazi in terms of, like, <laughs> lacking a certain, like, connection um, with Hashem that I feel like, you know, a lot of the Sephardic traditions and energy has has it more than the Ashkenazim do. I might get in trouble for that. Sorry, Ashkenazim. <laughs> <laughs> my opinion. No, but it's funny because when I tell people I belong to an Orthodox uh, shul, they're like, oh, so obviously there's no cars in the parking lot. People dress a certain way. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Like, there are people who drive to shul. There's people who come in, you know, short sleeves and not necessarily skirts that come down to their knees, you know. So... We're not, we're an Orthodox school, but we accept people who follow all types of practices, you know? Um, we have secular people who come to our school. Like, there's no labels, you know? Right. right. Everyone who comes to our school is part of the Orthodox Jewish Persian community. Right. Um, whether it's it the way it's, the it's meant to be. That's right. the way it should be because the Torah is true. Torah is MS. Torah is perfect. We we don't we shouldn't need people to act a certain way that we deem acceptable in order for them to then come and join our Orthodox circles. Mm-hmm. You know, a person should feel seen. Everyone sins. Everyone is on their journey. Everyone is doing the best they can. Right. The only way right. that you would ever be able to, you know expose a person to different perspectives is first and foremost accepting them the way that they are right now. Um, that was beautiful. If, you know, if you, in order for you to get through our door, you have to dress like me, you need to act like me, then you're just, again, it comes back to the fact that, like, your Judaism exists on someone else's back mm-hmm. versus saying, like, the Torah is Torah. The Torah is going to exist forever, Regardless, mm-hmm. you know, it's something that I tell myself all the time. If I decided tomorrow, like, Khalil Vachas, to stop mm-hmm. keeping Shabbos and kosher, it would affect Hashem zero. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Hashem is right. Hashem is infinite. The Torah is infinite. I, it's not about me and my, the mitzvot. Hashem doesn't need me to do anything. They're there as a guide for me. They're there right. for, to, to help have a better life for me. But I don't need anyone else also to to keep it it's between them and Hashem they're on their own journey I have a responsibility to be kind to them I have a responsibility to be warm to them I have a responsibility to treat them with respect Mm -hmm. but I have Mm -hmm. no responsibility to make sure that they're keeping kosher they're keeping Shabbat that's their own responsibility that's their own journey um and it's, it's dangerous it really is 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 it makes the Torah very heavy for a lot of people, and it's it's, it's a supposed turn-off. to be it's a turnoff. It's supposed to be an time. It's supposed to be something that that is something that you live by, um, right. which means that it's a journey, right? Like I don't want anyone to say like, oh, she's saying mitzvahs are not important and halacha is not important. I am uh, very very into halacha, but mm-hmm. I also understand that there is a there's a journey. There's, right. there's a process, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to kind of let a person go through their own process, their own way. You're not responsible for them. You know, very often wow. on my page, you hear me say, the only person in life you're responsible for is yourself. Mm-hmm. Even for your children. You're not responsible for your children in terms of their relationship to Hashem and Torah and Mitzvot. You're responsible to educate you're responsible to nurture but at the end of the day it's their relationship with Hashem it's their relationship with Torah and Mitzvot you can be a better role model you can it. you can talk to them you can try to instill you know values by living your life a certain way but they need to have trial and error they need to figure out like how they fit Hashem into their lives because after 18, 19 years, the only thing that they're going to have is them, themselves. You're not going to be there anymore. Wow. And if 
a child's Judaism is only because my parents told me so, or I'm going to get in trouble, my mother's going to be mad at me if I don't do X, Y, or Z, when you're no longer there, because that happens, God willing, with all your children, a parent wants nothing more than their child to be able to go out on their own and build their own Jewish homes. Right. You have to give children the ability to build their own relationship with Judaism. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, you know, again, the only person you're responsible <clears throat> for is yourself. So if you're not happy with the way your child is davening or dressing or speaking to you, then maybe work on the way that you speak, work on the way that mm-hmm. you dress, work on the way that you dive in, have a conversation, say to them, like, what's going on? Is there something, can I do something to support you? I see that you're struggling. Mm-hmm. But to yell or to embarrass or to fight with your kids, they'll just right. get better at producing what you want them to produce, but internally, mm-hmm. it's not theirs. Mm-hmm. They're just doing it out of obedience or because right. of fear of punishment or whatever you were mentioning. Um, do you think the the onus lies on the parents or on the yeshiva schools or both? Um, I, I definitely think that, you know, it's the parent's responsibility to keep a pulse on their child. Um, a school can only do so much. A school is really meant to educate, um, and we have put a lot on our, our on our schools to not only educate but also to inspire and to nurture uh, and to you know secular education and Jewish education. It's a lot, and the classrooms are very diverse with very different kids from very different backgrounds, um, and it's 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 a lot for the schools and it's getting more and more difficult for the schools to really engage and connect to, to their students. And I really think that parents need to do more to, you know, look at their child and figure out what their needs are, figure out what their talents are, advocate for them, uh, connect with them, spend more time, you know, getting to know their children, helping them find their Mm -hmm. interests. Mm -hmm. Um, but as you, you know, said, it's a, it's a lot of inner child work. The parents have to first and foremost make their spiritual selves a priority so that they lead by example and their children see that. And therefore, then the child is able to connect to the parent because they see, oh, my my parent, my mom is on this journey and she's working on herself and she's trying to connect to Hashem and, you know, be spiritual. So. I'm more likely to connect to my mom when she is coming from a healthier place, like you said. Exactly. Right. Because, you know, children need to feel accepted and seen and heard, and we can only accept our children as their own individuals if we accept ourselves. Right. Um, right. You know, and so, so you know, I, I think we rely a little too much on the schools to do a job that we should be doing, but, you know, especially, again, as Ashkenazim, as an Ashkenaz woman, we've lost some of that tradition. And so we really don't even know how to because a lot of us were not brought up with grandmothers uh, and right. aunts who were able to, you know, the stories you hear of your bubby sitting in the corner and davening for her children and waking up early in the morning and putting the socks on the heater so the kids would go to cheder with warm socks. Like, those are all, you know, tales of, a long forgotten time you know Mm -hmm. women are Mm -hmm. are very busy we have to work there's so much that we are responsible for um and and the first thing that seems to always go is our spiritual selves because Mm -hmm. we're just trying to get by um Mm -hmm. and so you know i would say the most important things is you know you mentioned your friend before you know Mm -hmm. that like she gets frustrated with these very like vapid conversations right um we don't need so many friends, right? Uh, I love be, that. Wow. We we need to be kind and polite and know how to have, like, good social cues. Mm-hmm. But if you're that type of person, focus on one or two friends that are those people for you and build those relationships. Like, for me, you know, mm-hmm. those people when I was growing up, when I was being bullied, who saw me, who loved me, who accepted me, who helped me find my beauty, like, those were my friends. You know, those are the people who were my rocks when I when I when I didn't even have my own self. Um, 
adults, we need to find, if we don't have a mother, if we don't have a grandmother, we need to find friends. We need to find a, a, a Rebetzin, a Rabbanit. You know, it doesn't have to be many. You don't or need a supportive friends. environment. Right. Right. Like, find your place. Find mm-hmm. your two friends, one friend, one good friend, two good friends who see you, who love you, who value you exactly the way you are, who you feel seen and heard and you can talk to, is is your lifeline for life. Everyone else are acquaintances. They don't need to be your friends. You don't need to connect to them on a certain level. Be kind, be warm, be loving, you know, find things that you can have a mutual conversation about, but really Mm -hmm. find those people that bring out the best versions of yourself um, and nurture that relationship because we have only a certain amount of energies and we sometimes, like, run ourselves too thin, you know, Mm -hmm. investing in too many relationships. Right. Um, Or not even relationships. (laughs) Right. They're not even real relationships. Yeah, right. And that's the other thing is also there's so many fantastic books out there that like, and I know it's hard because not everyone is a reader, but like there are podcasts, there are books, there are workbooks, there are so many different ways and there's so much like Torah information, but even secular, like I always am a huge fan of Brene Brown. Oh yeah, um, her stuff is fantastic. It really it 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 opens your mind to a whole mm-hmm. different way of seeing the world and interacting with the world. Um, Charlie Harari just came out with a fantastic book. Um, I think it's called Unlocking Oh, I love Greatness. it. Yeah, I have it's, it. It's amazing. It, also, it's not a safer. It is brilliant. It really mm-hmm. just opens your mind and opens the way that you see and interact with the world around you. Mm-hmm. designate mm-hmm. five times whether it's reading it with yourself reading it with a spouse reading it with a friend when you go for a walk put on a podcast right. there's so many yeah i mean there's like social working podcasts we all need to develop our social sides of ourselves yeah. right over just our, our our physical selves and it, it it takes a little bit of a paradigm shift but your life becomes so much more manageable you accept yourself more you accept your children more you accept your spouse more like life has a whole different meaning right i find that people who are more extroverted um have a more difficult time with all of these things that you were mentioning you know there's people who reading doesn't come naturally to them or they can't have only one or two friends. When they have only one or two friends, they feel very, very lonely. So right. what would you say to those types of people? Well, I consider my, like, I'm, I'm pretty extroverted. There's different mm-hmm. type of extroverts. Right. Um, but uh, again, I'm not saying not to have, be friendly. I'm just saying in terms of understand what a quality friendship looks like. Right. Because some people who have so many friends still feel very alone. Yeah. Um, if you have a feeling of loneliness, if you feel like no one sees you, no one hears you, then then you need to find a group of people. It could be two or three friends, but people who you can really be yourself with, who mm-hmm. you can really turn to when you're saying, I'm feeling sad alone, and they're not going to be like, oh, my gosh, why? Mm-hmm. Like, you're just so popular and everyone loves you and, like, why are you like being so negative and like <laughs> don't those are not the people that you want to turn to. You want to positivity. positivity. <laughs> right. Like you want to turn to that one or two person being like, "Yeah, I know like you saw me yesterday at the Kiddush and I seemed really happy, but like I'm feeling really gross lately and I'm feeling really down." And that person would be like, "Okay, let's go out for a manicure, let's talk. What want to go for a walk?" Like even the most extroverted person still needs Right. Certain relationships that are on a deeper level so that mm-hmm. they have someone who they can truly be open with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not trying to convert anyone from being an extrovert into an introvert or anyone <laughs> to extrovert. Right. I think find what works for you. Host a class in your in your house. Host 10 friends who you know to be a little bit more growth oriented and learn something together or listen to something together or you know, bring someone in to present to you guys. Like, we live in a day and age where there is no end to the possibilities 
of how to add a little bit of growth into your life. And it doesn't have to be Torah. Like, some people, like, roll their eyes, like, oh, like, you're being so spiritual. It's it's about developing more of yourself than your physical self, you know? So Mm -hmm. talk it about, if you don't like the word spiritual, like, emotional Mm well-being, right? Like Mental well-being, even. Mental well-being. Like, those those are all parts of yourself as well that need attention, Mm-hmm. Um, and we just don't give it that attention. So, like, right. So the two bogged down with uh, the latest shoes that this blogger is wearing, what house this right. person bought. Yeah, all the externalities we're really right. distracted with. Right. Um, Talia, I see that you really have evolved from your days from elementary school to high school and then the camps that you went to. You really have evolved as a Jewish woman. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you think that part of the way you have evolved has to do with what you spoke about? And do you think that the labels that we have within orthodoxy, do you think those are helpful? Absolutely. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Extremely damaging. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm saying so again. You know, this is this is. A, I feel like a much more Sephardic versus Ashkenaz thing because Sephardim, you are who you are, and it gives you room to grow the way that you want to grow because you don't have to fit yourself into a box or a label. Unfortunately, yeah. we live in a day and age where we love to box and label everything, but to label into boxes to limit. Right. Um, so in terms of like understanding background, so I was brought up modern Orthodox. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up in a modern Orthodox community. I went to modern Orthodox schools. Um, and through NCSY, it put me a little bit more of a trajectory of growth. Um, mm-hmm. not to say, again, you can't say anything nowadays because everyone wants to jump. Not to say that the modern Orthodox community isn't a growth oriented community. My own specific upbringing bringing was not very growth oriented. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of very growth oriented modern orthodox people. They're beautiful yeah, modern orthodox schools and schools all over the country now. I'm only just sharing my own personal experience. Right. Um so just wanted to qualify that for yeah, anyone of course. for me. Um yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, for me like I used to say like a like a joke of my upbringing, you know, are you Shomer Shabbos? Yes. Are you Shomer Kashrus? Yes. Are you Shomer Nagia? Well, that one. <laughs> I don't know. Like, not really. Um, you know, in my growing up, if I didn't come to the Shabbat meal dressed in like regular clothing and stay all the way to benching and bench, like I would get in huge trouble. But like, mm-hmm. we never washed on bagels during the week. Mm-hmm. Like, benching mm-hmm. was an exclusively twice a week thing you did at night and you did at the day and no matter when another time you had bread you would never wash and bench mm-hmm. um and you know there was just a lot of that what i saw as hypocrisy as a child um you know my mother was very strict i could wear pants i could wear shorts but not short shorts i could wear mm-hmm. short shoes, but not sleeveless um mm-hmm. and you know as any teen who like pushes against her parents I was just like, what is this? This is ridiculous. Like, none of this makes any sense. Either it is something divine or it's not. And so for a while, uh, again, with, like, my very varied background, um, I wasn't mm-hmm. religious. Oh, I, I For a year plus in high school, I completely stopped keeping Shabbos, um, I, Shabbat. <laughs> I, oh, you know, wow, I didn't know that. I little, like, rebellious about kosher mm-hmm. um and then i remember yom kippur probably my junior year of high school seeing all my non-religious friends um you know all come to shul yom kippur you know saying all mm-hmm. the news and like going and breaking their fast on mcdonald's mm-hmm. I'm like what's going mm-hmm. on here like this doesn't make sense either it's Divine for you, right? Doing or not? Mhm, mhm. It so, made sense for you to go on this trajectory, right? And so then I just decided, like, if there is a God, and the Torah is true, and I keep it, and I die, then like I'll have a reward waiting for me. If it's not true, 
and I keep it, then, like, I didn't really lose anything except my life had some guidelines for the way that I act. Mm-hmm. So I we decided that, like, it's better safe to start trying to keep corn mitzvot. Um, because I, you know, I looked around at the world and said, like, everyone believes Hashem gave the Torah to the Jews except for the Jews. Like, the Muslims have no problem with it. The Christians have no problem with it. But, like, the Jews are like, ah, do we really know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, I, I started, like, this trajectory of growth. I went to Sharpman's, which really pushed very much, um, to be growth oriented. Like, so you said you were a Brooklyn girl that went to Sharpman's and it was like, what? What are you doing here? You don't. You don't belong here. Flatbush. What's that about? Flatbush, oh, specifically. There's some girls who go, but like more shalom. It's, it's a more considered more Haredi. Again, when we're talking about boxes, it's considered more of a right wing place. Like, oh, she's going to be brainwashed. That's like mm. the kind of response. Um, but really, what Sharfman's created for me was like, if I would say that their motto that I kind of internalized was the the Chazal Shevi Yifol Tzadik Akam, which means a righteous person will fall seven times and get up. And this is a Tzadik, right? Most of us are not even on that level. Like, right. life is a journey. Life has its ups and downs. Your relationship to Torah and Mitzvot can, can wa- waver. It can go up. It could go down. You can, you know, be so far from Hashem and come out overnight, be close again, and all that's okay. Um, and really mm-hmm. internalizing that message in seminary of the fact that, like, my Judaism is a relationship with Hashem. It's not about, you know, the, the have-tos and the have-nots and mm-hmm. and the must. You know, like, I remember they never really spoke to us about Smut in seminary. Um, and But they internalized the message of having a relationship with Hashem and being divine and being beautiful and I remember at a certain point looking in the mirror and I was wearing something that like I was no longer comfortable wearing. And I, mm-hmm. I just remember thinking like, the lo in, like, mm-hmm. this isn't me anymore. Like it wasn't that like they're like, you have to, you can't. And so, and, and the same is true now. I've been out of seminary now mm-hmm. very many years. <laughs> I went right. in 2001. <laughs> so it's almost 20 years. Wow. Um, and my journey's ha- had ups and downs, and there's times where I feel closer, and there's times where I feel farther away, but my focus is the relationship. Um, relationship, yeah. With yeah. Hashem and Torah and Mitzvot versus, like, this is who I am. And so, as you were, I know, I ramble. Um, no, not at all. About, about labels, like, modern Orthodox, Orthodox, Reform, Conservative, FFB, BT, like, it doesn't do any good because that's not what Judaism is about. Judaism is just about Hashem and the Torah and doing the best that you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I, you know, at this point would describe my type of Judaism as just like a Torah Chaim Judaism. I believe mm-hmm. in the Torah. I believe in a living Torah, a Torah, a life that's supposed to be pleasant and enjoyable um, and, and that's what I'm working on. Wow. And I like that definition much more than if people ask you, oh, like, what are you? Oh, I, I'm religious. I'm Orthodox. I love, I love what you said. Yeah. It's just, it's just about the Torah. Like, that's it. There, 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 there's nothing else. And, you know. Torah and Hashem. Yeah. Right. Torah and Hashem. Torah is being a guidebook of having to have a relationship with a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Mm-hmm. Like, Hashem destroyed the the Beit Hamikdash not because we weren't serving him but because our hearts weren't there and the relationship right. wasn't there like for right. me it's it's both of those things coupled together um, and that way it just it gives you flexibility it gives you that room to 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 sometimes grow and sometimes fail and sometimes you know right. I mean. I'm not great at davening at all. It's something that I want to work on, right? Like, it's, I don't Hi, feel the too. guilt. <laughs> right. But I don't feel the guilt. I just, it's a matter of, like, this is something that I want to work on, and sometimes I'm better at it, and sometimes I'm worse at it. And, like, I really recently had the realization that, like, before I try to start davening again, I want to first start learning more about davening. Oh, because, that's beautiful. You know, you, there's uh, so many incredible swarm out there. There's so many you know, incredible classes, if you understood the meaning of why we daven, 
It's mm-hmm. that much easier to make davening part of your CLE routine if you know what it's accomplishing. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, mm-hmm. that's like for me the derech eretz kadmila Torah. Like, mm-hmm. if you, if there's something that's important to you, find out why, ask questions, create relationships, um, and then from there, you know, Shabbat, kosher, tefillah, it will come from a place of like a natural outgrowth versus right. like a weight that is on your shoulder that like I have to do because otherwise like. God's gonna be mad at me and I'm punish me. Like, right? It's just it it doesn't it doesn't last. It doesn't mm-hmm. last. Which you know to pull things full circle. That's the exactly the, the transition between Tishrei and Cheshvan. You mm-hmm. know Tishrei Hashem is trying to like recenter us. Winter is coming. It is really it's the darkest time of the year where it's very hard to you know, sustain ourselves spiritually. And so Hashem gives us the fall. <laughs> to kind of gather ourselves together and it's Tishri Cheshwan and Kislev to kind of do the spiritual work to last through like the dark winter. Mm-hmm. And Beautiful. Is that like that actualization, that pressure that like, okay, I need to do and, and Chuva and Sukkis and it's so like brunch time, right? Yeah. Like you're training for that marathon. And now, right. you know, the it passed. Cheshwan is, is like, okay, now let's see how this implements into your day-to-day life. Was it something that you just put this Band-Aid on for a month and now you're going right back to your routines and you're going right back to the, you know, superficial Lush and Hara, you know, Shabbat, you just do, you wash, you bench, you go to sleep? Or Mm -hmm. did it spark a real change in you where, like, it doesn't have to be big. It's just that you see in your day-to-day life there's a little more growth. There's a little more connection. There's a little mm-hmm. more um, meaning to your day-to-day living. Um, right. And then if not, this is the month to say, okay, then I didn't internalize what was going on in Tishrei enough. Let me I, – I need to get it together before winter comes. I need to go to a class once a week. I need to learn a little more. I need to connect with my husband a little more. Like – that is what Cheshwan is all about. There's no holidays. There's nothing here. It's mm-hmm. a blank slate for us to really say, like, our spiritual selves really do matter. And what I said and did in Tishrei really does matter. And this is how I'm implementing it. This is beautiful, Talia. Wow, you just gave us a beautiful Torah lesson right now. <laughs> so, Talia, I wanted to ask you, who is your greatest role model? It's funny. I saw <laughs> It's hard. It's a hard question. I just I don't really I'm really the type of person who just tries to learn from all people. Well, like I I wouldn't say that I have a particular one model. specific. Mm-hmm. Right. Um again, my role model is Sharfman's. Like not to like mm-hmm. push the seminary too much, but like whenever <laughs> I look back to like who I want to be, like, I want to internalize those messages more, and I want to be that, like, youthful version of myself that was, like, really fiercely in love with Torah Mitos, but right. um, every person, you only see a certain version of themselves, like, yeah, you only, you know, every Rebbiton, every person you meet, no matter how admirable I are, you're only seeing a very limited version of themselves and for me like that's where things get the most dangerous for me because I look at other people and I'm like why can't I be like them why why are they so you know successful what like I need to move away from that more for me it's more like who am I like Mm -hmm. I need to be my own role model like I need to be doing better with me Um, right so I really I try to avoid that because I end up going to a place of like you know I, I, there is really no other word except for like jealousy. <laughs> Thank you for your uh, honesty. Like, that's that's not that's not an easy thing to admit, but most no, people it's not. have that but uh, they want to admit it. Right. So like I, there are people that I love and there are people that like I admire and I like this about them, but like I really honestly wouldn't say that I have any particular person who is a role model. Wow. Thank you. That's an honest, real answer. I love that. 
Um, Talia, so tell us some of your hopes and dreams for the world. Wow, that's, you know. <laughs> I mean, I do know that part of it is that everyone should come together to focus more on their emotional and mental well-being or their spiritual selves. Um, right. But besides that, what, what's, uh, what's your dream for the world? So my – so I really had a moment of clarity, I think, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur last year. I'm very into musicals. Um, Me too. <laughs> so Hamilton, I say, like, Hamilton really changed my life. Um, oh, my God, I want to see it. <laughs> I've never seen it, but I know the soundtrack. Oh, my God. Um, and so our founding fathers who created this country that has so much good in it. I mean, I, there's a lot of not great things, but, uh, again, we can focus on what we don't have versus what we do have. And we have so much freedom and we have so much beauty in this country mm-hmm. that we live in, um, our founding fathers, Alexander and his friends, had no idea that their work and their sacrifices would build the country that we have today. You know, mm-hmm. there's a line in one of the songs: "We may not, um, we may, we may not live to see our glory, but our hope is that our children tell the story, the story of tonight." Um, Love it. Words because I don't have it in front of me. Um, you know what I'm going to be and- listening to right after this interview. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay. So for me, like thinking about that, you know, especially as a Jewish woman, I got married at 19. I had my kids right away. Uh, I had my kids are all like 22, 23 months apart, um, and the last one's two and a half years apart. Like, there's a a certain point in your life where, like, you literally your goal is just to stay alive and keep your kids alive. Mm-hmm. And that's you seem like if you're in that stage right now, I'm sorry, it's really oh, yeah. hard. I totally feel you. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, but it passes. It passes. Right. There comes a certain point in your life where you get to breathe again. Your kids are in school, uh, more full-time. And that point for me was probably, like, last year. My youngest was, you know, five years old, six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized, like, I want to live my life that my children can look at me and say, like, my mother did everything she could to, like, bring the gaula closer. Wow. Right? Like, I I want my, like, I don't know. I don't know, you know, what's going to be in, in tomorrow. Forget about a year or five years from now. But if we all had this perspective of, like, we Hashem gave us a gift of 120 years right now because we are meant to be doing something more than just Torah mitzvot, right? We're, we, more have our own in, we have our own individual. He doesn't need Torah mitzvot. Hashem is perfect. They're again. They're they're there to help us having more meaningful lives and growth-oriented lives and spiritual lives. But Hashem put us on this world, me, you, every person, because we have something unique about ourselves. There's something that we are meant to bring into the world right now, as long as we're alive, for 120 years that only we can bring, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if we it doesn't have to be it, one thing. It could be a many things that right, we can bring. But I'm saying we right. are we are that one thing. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. our collective. Right are that one thing um if we all had that perspective of like like how am i meant to bring the gaula closer how am i supposed meant to make the world better my home better my life better my connection to claudia's role better our children would see a generation of adults who weren't just coming on tisha above and crying for the base of mcdush you know mm-hmm. they wouldn't come el to shul to davin like it would be an a whole year a whole lifetime of just trying to do good to be good to be kind to interact to bring wow. people closer like obviously for all you know treating people with respect like if you we really felt that like that was what we were meant to be doing our whole day-to-day interactions would be completely different beautiful so dream that's my dream <laughs> beautiful well you are doing all that you can right now to bring that dream closer, not only to your life, but to the lives of others based on your passions and your goals and everything that you represent, um, everything you spoke about in this interview and everything you do on your Instagram. So I really want to thank you for everything that you've discussed with us, sharing your journey and your story through your Judaism and growing up and just 
how we can make Cloudly Sorrel a better place. I wanted to ask you where people can find you. Okay. So, um, like a boss, so you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my full name is Talia Malay. I'm on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. You know, T-A-H-L-I-A-M-O-L-L-O-T. Yeah, by the way, I love the way you spell your name. <laughs> you can thank my mom. Growing up, Talia is a much more popular name now. Growing up, there wasn't as many 35 years ago, so she did it like Dahlia, like the flower. Oh, beautiful. So, oh, it's definitely more um, popular than Karen, okay? <laughs> uh, I knew you, Karen, growing up. Maybe not the way you Nobody has any Um... Uh, I mean, so like a boss Malach, Tali Malach. Yes, like a boss Malach. Um, and, you know, just message me, wow. I guess. Um, I'm always, Wonderful. Gonna, always happy to schmooze. Amazing. Um, you know, definitely my dream is at a certain point in my life to do more public speaking. So if you ever Amen. wanted, like, you know, when I come into New York or whatever, to come in and do, like, small little groups talking with women, connecting with women, having, you know, and men. I, I'm I'm happy to speak in both in front of mixed audiences um, because wow. that's just the way I roll. Sense. But, but um, I, you know, I would just love to be able to connect with people and help people just find their voice and find their relationship with Hashem and Torah and Mitzvot so that, you know, our Judaism becomes a Judaism that's a, a growth-oriented Judaism, a Judaism that's based on a, a, a Torah Chaim, um, and we should see the gula quickly in our days. Amen, amen, amen. Talia, that was beautiful. Thank you so Thank much you. again for being on our show. Thank oh, you. My pleasure. If you enjoy this podcast and you want to hear more soul sessions, you can go on SinaiRadio.com or type in Sinai Radio on all major podcast players and you can see a whole bunch of other soul sessions. And if you want to learn more about what I do, you can check out my Instagram page at Soul Train KK. Have a wonderful day.